guys. Welcome to Crime Colts and Coffee. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Bryn. And we're recording together. Oh my god, this is so fun and so weird at the same time. We haven't done this in such a long time. I don't know if you guys, did we talk about it before, why we haven't? No, I don't, uh, I can't remember actually. We started recording like virtually separate because I got a new job and for me to like get to a, a location where we could record together it would take me like two hours after I got off of work. So it just like wasn't gonna, it wasn't gonna happen. So I feel like the sound quality for this episode is going to be good. so good compared to what it has yeah. been because we're still trying to figure out the kinks of recording separately. Yeah, which hap- it happens. Yeah. But um, yeah, we haven't done this in a really long time. Yeah, I'm so excited. We're, we're good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, before we get into our coffee review, do we want to tell everyone what we're doing tonight? Yes, we're going to a disco party. I'm so excited. Me too, I'm channeling my inner euphoria. (laughs) Even though it's not disco at all, I feel like that's what they would dress as. The makeup. Yeah, like the makeup and the styles, and I don't know. Yeah. I think it's going to be fun. Also, I sound like I'm very congested because I am. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't have COVID, though. (laughs) I'm just channeling my inner 70s queen that I know I was at some point in a past life. Yeah. We're going to, like, put gems on our face and wear sparkles, and it's going to be a great time. Mm -hmm. You'll get a picture if we look good. If not, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) If not, you can envision what we might have looked like. Just go on Pinterest and type in, like, disco party, and, like, that's what we probably looked like. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not too fond of my outfit. I was hoping for something. I was envisioning something different, and I literally spent three fucking hours in a rabbit hole looking one night yeah. and gave up. It's hard. So, I feel like it disco clothes, like, theme-ish kind of matches, like, the current day, like, festival outfits. Mm, so, like, in a way, yeah. That's kind of how I, I got mine, but who knows? Yeah. I haven't even tried it on yet. We'll see how it turns out. Because I feel like... 70s outfits are really fun and there's definitely a distinct look to them and I could have had plenty of those yeah. but going to the disco in the 70s yeah. is a different vibe different. Yeah. yeah sparkles like fringe yeah and or velvet yeah yeah so it's gonna be a good time though yeah I'm really excited I just said to Brian earlier, like, I'm, I'm not going to take my last dose of medicine and I'm just going to get drunk and hope I, I decongest <laughs> myself that way. <laughs> that sometimes works. I feel so like might, it should work. You might lock out. Whiskey is the natural decongestant. Yeah, and you'll just have a good time yeah. either way. So you're so. fine. Yeah. All right, getting into today's coffee review. This yes. coffee was gifted from Ashley. She's the best. I swear she gives us so much coffee and it's <laughs> so does. thoughtful. I love she it. She does. She does. And she said... Basically, anytime she goes somewhere and sees a coffee that sounds good that we might like, she's just like, ah, this is for you. I picked this up. And I'm like, Ash, you're too much. You're so sweet. So sweet. Thank you, Ashley. (laughs) So this coffee is from La Crema Coffee Company, and it is called Inside Jokes. Ooh. The notes are almond, coconut, and caramel. I feel like it's like all of our favorite notes. For real. All mixed into one. Yeah. Except for hazelnuts not in there. Yeah. But that's okay. And they're located in Ohio. Their website is lacremacoffeecompany.com and we will tag them like we always do. For sure. Um, but yeah, I like this one. I think it smelled better like coming, I feel like coffee just naturally smells really good when it's scent, like when it's flavored like mm-hmm. that with coconut because you can smell it so much. But um, I like this one a lot. I, I taste the coconut more than anything, I feel like, but I also get like a little hint of the caramel. Yeah, I agree with the coconut part. I didn't taste the caramel, 
Caramel, caramel. Now you got me. What are you? A caramel or a caramel? I'm a caramel, but you you switched. I'm straight up caramel. I know, and you've you've made fun of me before on the podcast (laughs) about it. No, the only thing I make fun of that you say is stort. (laughs) That drives me nuts. (laughs) Jamie, she called me and she's like, "What the fuck is a stort?" I was like, "I know, (laughs) not like a stewardess, like on a plane, like the name." That's a stewardess. (laughs) Like the name stort. Stuart! Don't, Stuart Little. Don't come at me. As we mentioned on the podcast, <laughs> people pronounce things when they're raised in different places true, true. differently. Very true. It's all fun and games, but hysterical at the same yeah. time. So getting back into the coffee, I didn't really taste the caramel that much. I slightly tasted the almond. I definitely tasted the coconut. Yeah, the coconut smell and taste, I feel like, was not strong, but like it was the most for me. Right. I like flavored coffee a lot. Let me take another sippy. I feel like, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about this one. I feel like my congestion's not probably me, yeah. It's not giving me the upper hand with this one. It's kind of probably toning it down a it's bit It's masking it a little bit. Yeah. It isn't, I can validate though that it isn't overly strong coconut taste. It is yeah. just like a little hint at the end kind of thing. Yeah. I would probably rate this one an eight. I really like the, I like the coconut, I love coconut coffee. Agreed. Yeah. Eight. Yep. Eight. eight is solid. Eight's across the board. Thank you, Ashley. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Ash. Love it. Are we ready to start today's episode? Yes. Let's get into it. All right. So, so grab, grab your coffee, coffee and have, have a morning with, with us. us. We haven't said that in so long. Yet. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so today's episode was actually um, a requested... Well, the case wasn't requested, but this listener, Hannah, requested a case from New Hampshire, so we then picked this case. So, thank you so much, Hannah, for reaching out and uh, suggesting something from New Hampshire. Yeah, you're awesome. This case today is about Pamela Ann Smart, and as always, we're going to go over the background a little bit here. Her maiden name was Wojus, just so you know. She was born August 16th, 1967 in Wyndham, New Hampshire. Her parents were John and Linda Wojus. She was 22 years old at the time of the story, so she was really young. Mm-hmm. She grew up in Miami, Florida for a, per- a portion of her childhood, and then her family moved to Derry, New Hampshire when she was in the eighth grade. That had to have been really hard. Yeah, that's a hard time to move. Yeah. I can't even, I wouldn't, that would have been horrible. Seventh? Probably, no, sixth through eighth grade is just rough. school? Yeah. yeah. In general. Yeah. She was a cheerleader at Pinkerton Academy in Derry. She later graduated from Florida State University, or FSU, with a degree in communications. In 1986, she went home to New Hampshire for a Christmas break and met Gregory Smart at a party. February 1987, Gregory and Pamela began a serious relationship. So not long after they met, actually. Mm -hmm. They got married two years later in 1989, and Gregory moved to Florida and lived with Pam while she was finishing up her senior year at FSU. Aw. That's cute. Mm-hmm. After college, Pamela wanted to be a television features reporter. She couldn't find a job that paid well in that profession. Her mom made her aware of a job that was available in New Hampshire, so Pamela and Gregory then moved back home and rented a condo in New Hampshire. Pamela became a media coordinator, another article also calls it a media service director, at Winnicunit High School. This school was in Hampton, New Hampshire. Hampton, New Hampshire. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me. 
Gregory became a life insurance agent. Around seven months after their wedding, they allegedly began to have issues with their marriage, which is pretty soon. Yeah. Pamela said Gregory admitted to having a one-night stand. Ooh. Well, if that is the case, then that is a reason to be having issues so soon. At the same time, at Winnicunit High School, she met students William or Billy Flynn and Cecilia Pierce. Flynn was a sophomore and 15 years old at the time of the story. They met in a school drug awareness slash self-esteem program called Project Self-Esteem. They were all volunteers for this program, and Pamela and Flynn bonded over heavy metal music. So mm-hmm. that's how they became friends. Mm-hmm. The relationship between Pamela and Billy Flynn eventually escalated. This is a quote from Washington Post. Quote, She remembers Flynn, six years, her junior, flattering her and says she eventually started to develop feelings for him. I thought he had feelings for me, too. Not okay. Definitely not okay. Mm -mm. He's a minor. I feel like when you're older... A time difference, like, 15 and 22 isn't that big of a deal. But when this child... It's a child. ...is a minor, it's a... Yeah. It's a child. It's a child. Like, you are a predator. She's in a place of power. Yeah. However, there are conflicting narratives regarding who seduced who, but that literally doesn't matter. Mm Mm-hmm. Sometime around his 16th birthday, the two began having sex. Oh, my God. So, May 1st, 1990, this was six days before Pamela and Gregory's one-year wedding anniversary. What the fuck? Yeah. Pamela returned home from a meeting at school and found Gregory dead on the floor of their condo. He had been murdered at 24 years old, and he had been shot. Oh my god. The condo also looked like it had been ransacked, and police thought that maybe it was a burglary gone wrong. That's insane to walk into. Mm-hmm. Especially right before your wedding anniversary. Yeah, like a year. Uh-huh. Moving on to the investigation, during this time, Pamela was described by her mother, Linda, as being, quote, in a frenzied state, alternating between depression and mania, and that was a quote from the Washington Post. Her mother almost had her admitted to a mental health facility. So it was, like, not a great time for her in general. Yeah, and in the article where that was mentioned, I believe her mom later said she wished she had like had, had her, her admitted. admitted. Yeah. yeah. Over the next month since the murder of Gregory Smart, police began to connect the dots a bit. Pete Randall and Vance Latime Jr., who were two of Flynn's friends, remember that's Billy Flynn, told another classmate about the murder. At some point, and it's unclear when, Latime's father had also brought a 38 caliber pistol to police, and he found it in his house and thought it could be the weapon used in the murder. Like, so what? he's like, okay, I am taking this straight to the police. So, like, where did it come from? The boys must have gotten it somehow. Oh, we'll get into it in a little bit. God, that is yeah. so weird. Yeah, imagine you don't own a gun. And being, like, And all of a sudden you find this, this in your house. And, like, knowing that this has just happened. Yeah. Oh, my God. The two boys ended up turning themselves in and pled guilty, and they cooperated with the case in exchange for reduced sentences. Ugh. So, according to them, these are some details that they said happened. Pamela had given them money. 
Latime bought the bullets with said money. Randall held a knife in front of Gregory Smart's face while Flynn shot Gregory in the head. What the fuck? And these are teenagers. Literally kids. They're Mm -hmm. kids. How the fuck is this possible? They also said Pamela had planned everything down to the littlest details. What the fuck? For example, they said she left the front door unlocked so they can access the house. Ugh. She said, or they said, I'm sorry, she told them to make it look like a burglary, and she offered to pay them $500 each. And that was, that's allegedly, because this is according to them. Wow. So, May 14th, 1990... An anonymous tip told police that Cecilia Pierce, and remember, Cecilia Pierce was a volunteer for the self-esteem program, and she was friends with both Pamela and Flynn. This anonymous tip told police that Cecilia knew about the plan to kill Gregory. And again, we are unsure if this was before or after the two boys had turned themselves in, because there wasn't a specific date listed with when they went ahead and did that. Yeah. Pierce spoke with police, and she agreed to wear a wire to record her conversations with Pamela. Wow. Moving on to August 1st, 1990, Detective Daniel Pelletier went to Pamela's school parking lot and arrested her. She recognized him when he approached her because, obviously, she had been, like, dealing with them. Yeah, questioning and stuff. Yeah, and I think it said she had met him specifically, like, five or six times. Yeah. And when he approached her, she said, what's up? Like, hey, what are you doing here? Yeah. And this is a quote from Wiki. Quote, well, Pam, Pelletier said in the recording, because this was obviously recorded. Yeah. I have some good news and I have some bad news. The good news is that we've solved the murder of your husband. The bad news is you're under arrest. What for, Smart asked, first degree murder. Wow, imagine being, like, arrested like that. Oh, my God. Yeah, and in the parking lot of your work. Yeah. (laughs) She was arraigned at the Derry District Court and then jailed at the New Hampshire State Prison for Women. Wow. This is, like, crazy because it's, like, a he said, she said type of thing. And I feel like it moved so quickly. Yeah. So, now we're moving on to the trial. The boys were to be charged as adults. If convicted, Pamela could face life in prison. As mentioned, her trial relied heavily on the testimony from the boys as they had agreed to the plea- to a plea deal. So they were like, we'll say, you know, whatever we have to say, really, mm-hmm. to, you know, for the plea deal. The teens were portrayed as, quote, naive victims of an evil woman bent on murder. And that was a Wikipedia quote. Prosecution said that Pamela Smart was the mastermind of the whole thing and used her underage sex partner to get him to murder her husband. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to feel about that. I feel like there's a lot of things known about what happened, but yeah. it's like, did that actually right. happen? Did it happen or did they, were they sociopath kids? Or, or like, like, were they just trying to get a lesser sentence? Right. Because they got caught, so they right. were like, okay, we'll say this, we'll say this about her, her, or did she actually plan the whole thing? Right. So, what was the motive, according to the prosecution? They were saying that it's avoiding an expensive divorce and collecting a $140,000 life insurance policy. 
So they're kind of saying that that was the motive behind it all. Mm-hmm. Pamela admitted to having a quote-unquote affair with Flynn, if you want to call it that with a minor. Her words, not ours. Even so, she claimed that she had not been a part of the murder plot. She said she hadn't even known about it before it happened, which I feel like that's so hard to believe. I don't know. How did everything fit into place then? Like, you weren't there and... Pamela also said that she thought Flynn and his friends had done this because she had told Flynn that she wanted to end their quote-unquote relationship and work on her marriage with her husband. This statement had been contradicted with the secret recordings where Cecilia wore a wire. So, who knows what was the truth and what wasn't. Yeah, so, apparently in in those secret recordings, first of all, it was the opposite of wanting to right work on her relationship with her husband right and she just said a lot of things that were really all over the place i think yeah but also playing devil's advocate in that situation i feel like number 1 maybe she was thinking okay i'm going to say what i need to say to not go to fucking jail yeah or number 2 like your head's all over the place. She was almost admitted to a mental hospital. Right, like she's not mentally stable. Yeah. So, not saying she's innocent, just saying from the other side of things what could have potentially... Who knows? Yeah. This is a Washington Post quote. Quote, she says she told him, I can't, you know, do this because I have a husband. If he translated that into, you know, that he couldn't have me as long as Greg was around, then that's in his brain. That's as long as Greg were here. Bill could never have me for himself. So that's kind of what she was thinking is, like, maybe he twisted the whole situation in his brain, but... Mm -hmm. That's, like, her perspective on it. Right. Regarding the relationship between Pamela and Flynn, Cecilia Pierce testified that the two were originally just friends. She said she noticed a change around February. She said this is when Pamela told her that she loved Bill. Ugh. Like, how? What? I mean, whether this woman planned her husband's murder or not... She still did something wrong. Yeah, she was still... She still should have been put away and served time for engaging in a sexual relationship with a fucking child. Like, he's he's a minor. Yeah. Yeah. Flynn testified that he was a virgin until Pamela as well. Which, who knows if that's true, but regardless, it isn't, it's still wrong. There's actually information that I had read in one article that that is an argument that if they were to go back to trial, her team is kind of contradicting. Uh-huh. They're, they haven't stated the proof, but they, they have said that they've found proof that he was not a virgin. Prior. So, who knows if that's just them yeah. trying to, like argue against that or if it's actually true right march 22nd 1991 pamela was found guilty for being an accomplice to first degree murder conspiracy to commit murder and witness tampering for witness tampering pamela tried to tried coercing cecilia not to say anything so that's kind of how they got her on that one Mm -hmm. pam received a mandatory sentence of life in prison without the possibility for parole 1992, Billy Flynn was sentenced to life in prison for second-degree murder. This is a Wikipedia quote. Not eligible for parole for 40 years, with 12 years of minimum sentence deferred if he maintains good behavior. 
Patrick Randall was also sentenced to life in prison for second-degree murder. Wiki quote again, quote, eligible for parole after 40 years with 12 years deferred, making him eligible as early as 2018. Wow. And keep in mind that they were really young. Yeah. So, I mean, they still have, they would still have like a life, somewhat of a life to live after. Yeah. Yeah. Vance Latime was sentenced to life in prison as an accomplice to second-degree murder. Another quote from Wiki, quote, eligible for parole after 30 years with 12 years suspended, making him eligible in 2008. Wow. There was also a co-conspirator named Raymond Fowler. He had waited in the car during the murder. Fowler was sentenced to 30 years for conspiracy to murder and attempted burglary. He is eligible for parole after 15 years. That's just for sitting in a car. I don't understand that. Probably because he knew it was happening, did nothing to stop it. Like, he's basically an accomplice. But... Yeah, but, like... That's know. a scary thought, though. Like, that's you could really be... really scary. You could be with the wrong person at the wrong time, Being hanging in their car. going to literally get, like, something from this person's house, and you, they murder somebody, and they're like, all right, we're done, let's go. And you're sentenced to 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. The media was heavily involved in this trial. This case was one of the first in the United States where TV cameras were allowed in the courtroom. Wow. And Pamela has said that she thinks the media influenced her trial and conviction. I feel like media plays a big role in everything. Right, which I agree with her in that statement, but not in the fact that her conviction was like too much not accurate or accurate you know what I mean like I feel like we saw a lot of that with the Casey Anthony case and with like the Jodi Arias case when it's hyped up in the media and people twist stories and say things that aren't even true or are or like especially in certain situations where the media is involved the women are overly sexualized or made to look like they were, they were, like, these, I don't know, sexual deviants who lured these men in and then murdered them. Right. Where if that was the case, yeah, you should be sentenced for it, but if it's not the case and those aren't the actual facts... Right, like... Yeah. Yeah. So moving into the aftermath, in 1993, Pamela was transferred from the New Hampshire State Prison for Women in Goffstown, New Hampshire, to Bedford Hills Correctional Facility for Women in Westchester County, New York. It was said that she was transferred due to quote-unquote security reasons, but the actual reason is not clear. And this is a quote from Wiki, quote, in 2007, a senior assistant in the state attorney general's office told the Keene State Equinox that Smart was transferred due to discipline problems. While she had accrued 22 disciplinary reports, all but two of them were for minor offenses. Wow. So that doesn't really make sense if they were minor, why Why she would have to be transferred. Yeah, like they they couldn't keep her there for minor offenses. Yeah, I'm sure there's been people in prison who have done worse than minor offenses who weren't transferred. Right. There were also claims that at the time that she was at the prison in New Hampshire, it would be easy for someone to break her out. So that's, like, another rumor with why she was transferred. If it was easy to break people out of prison. 
<laughs> it would be done more. Like, I don't... That, yeah. Why is that a reason? And then why have anyone in that prison? Yeah. If it's that non-secure... Right. Yeah, and it said, like, because her case was so highly publicized, they were afraid that like, it'd be more, I guess, enticing for someone to try to break her out. Oh. So, New Hampshire never had... This is, this is even more mind-blowing. New Hampshire never had a formal transfer agreement with New York. So, basically, as I read it in the article... It was kind of like a warden-to-warden situation where they were like, shake on it. Yeah, she's being transferred here. Like, nothing nothing official, no papers. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, not defending someone who clearly committed some form of a crime, whether it be the mastermind of a murder or a child predator, but how the fuck did that happen? Yeah, really. That doesn't make sense. How is it that easy to transfer prisoners with just, like, a handshake? Like, here, you take her. Yeah. Pamela's family said they also weren't even made aware of the transfer. I feel like that's not right. No. And I feel like that, like, from her family's perspective, they, I'm not speaking for them, I'm just speaking from what I read in articles, which, again, is hopefully accurate, but they kind of feel that that was due to them wanting to be, wanting her to be, like, the prison or the the state, whatever, wanting her to be further from them. Yeah. So they had less of, like, less contact with her or less of a chance of, like, them fighting for her to get her out. Yeah. Or to, like, have her sentence less. Right, because she was moved to a further, like, a place that was out of their town then. Mm Mm-hmm. At some point, Billy Flynn and Patrick Randall were also transferred out of state to the main state prison in Warren, Maine. And... I don't really know Patrick's reason, but I know Billy Flynn's reasoning. It had a lot... His was towards, like, further out in his sentence, and his had a lot to do with... How did they word it? Basically, you know how you can, like, work to do time served kind of thing? Like, his had to do something with that situation. Okay. Pamela maintains her innocence, but not without blame. She says her husband would still be alive if she had not had a quote-unquote, affair with Flynn. Again, the word affair is her words, not ours. She is a member of the National Organization for Women, and she campaigns for the rights of women in prison, which I think is maybe, even if she's a horrible person, that's, like, a good thing to be doing, but maybe to her own benefit. Yeah. October 1996, Pamela was severely beaten by inmates in prison, They said she snitched on them about their prison relationship, and a plastic plate had to be put in the left side of her face. Oh my god. Yeah, so it was, like, really bad. Yikes. The inmates were convicted of second-degree assault and transferred to different prisons. Oh god, that's horrifying. Mm Mm-hmm. 2003, photos were published in the National Enquirer of Pamela in a scantily clad way. Pamela sued and said the photos were taken by a guard at the prison who had raped her. The lawsuit was dismissed. 2004, Pamela and inmate Carolyn Mormis sued Bedford Hills officials. They claimed that they were sexually harassed and sexually assaulted by a corrections officer. I fucking hope that is horrifying. this is not a frequent thing that happens in prison. Oh my god, I hope so, because that is literally terrifying. Like, that's, you're not, you don't escape from that. Uh-huh. 
They also said that he coerced them into posing for pictures. Oh, God, I hope that's not true. That's fucking awful. November 5th, 2009, a $23,875 judgment was approved from the state of New York. Pamela got $8,750. Her attorney got the rest. That was an expensive attorney. Wow. April 2004, her federal habeas petition was rejected. Prior to this federal appeal, all judicial appeals at the state level had been exhausted by Pamela. 2007, Flynn asked for a sentence reduction after serving 16 years. Wow. Remember, he's like the one that actually apparently did this. Committed it, yeah. Right, like that's... Whether know. he was manipulated or not, he still like sixteen did years it. for shooting somebody. Yeah. Wow. He said he waited to do this because he wanted to spend the amount of time behind bars that he had spent free. So he was sixteen when it happened. And he had spent and he wanted to spend yeah. sixteen years. Yeah. I feel like it's such a hard case because if this child was actually coerced, coerced right. and sexually manipulated in order to commit the crime like one of the allegations is that she was like i'm not gonna be with you and i'm not gonna have sex with you unless you do this right like that's horrifying right if that was actually what happened but if he took it into his own hands yeah did it and like either way you still murdered someone so yeah some sort of time should be served for sure it's such, it's such a weird case. So, Gregory Smart's family opposed this request of this 16 years. Mm-hmm. Um, February 12, 2008, request denied, but his parole eligibility date was changed to 25 years, meaning he would be eligible in 2015. March 12, 2015, Flynn was granted parole. June 4, 2015... Flynn was released from prison with lifetime parole. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. Moving on to Randall, March 2009, his minimum sentence was also reduced to 25 years. April 9, 2015, he was granted parole by New Hampshire Parole Board. And then June 4, 2015, the same day as Flynn, Randall was released on lifetime parole as well. I think that's insane that they were released the same exact day. Like, how does that happen? How does that happen? Because things are pushed and delayed and, like, yeah. s- and denied all the time. They how do they like, get out the same fucking day? I don't know. That's such a weird... I feel like that's a weird coincidence. Yeah. As for La Time, 2005, minimum sentence was reduced by three years and paroled the same year. Wow. Wow, so he didn't have to fight... As long to yeah. be curled. Right. But he also was allegedly not as Less involved. involved. Yeah. 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 Lastly, Fowler. In 2003, he was paroled 13 years after the murder. In 2004, he went back to prison for violating his parole. And then June 2005, he was paroled again. Wow. So technically, he served the time he was supposed to because right. he went back. Right, for a year. Yeah. May 15th, 2019, the Executive Council voted 4-0 to zero and denied Pamela's request for commutation hearing. Pamela says that she keeps track of Flynn and thinks he's the one who will be able to get her out of prison. My God. She said, quote, 
He is one of the few people that could actually get me out of here by coming forward and telling the truth, but he's never going to do that. And that's a Wikipedia quote. Wow. That's actually, like, somewhat of a scary thought if it's true. Right, like, he's the only person that knows truly what happened, potentially, Uh that could get her out, and he's never gonna... Uh That's scary if that's the truth. Uh Uh-huh. Either that or she's still continuing to manipulate and... I'm just confused, like, why there's no proof of, like, conspiracy. It had to have been... I guess you didn't use a phone back then as much to, like, text or anything, but... No, because it was early 1990s. She also says that she would have rather been given the death penalty than die in prison. Both of them did wrong in different ways, but, like, what's the truth? Right. Because either way, they both committed a crime. Yeah. Whether she was the one who planned it or he was the one that was manipulated and coerced and literally abused as a child into it. He still pulled the trigger, and she... And actually did it. Yeah, and she still... Was in a relationship. Was in a relationship with a minor. Both were definitely wrong in their own ways, but, Uh like, what actually happened that you don't know, you know? Yeah. Like, what happened behind closed doors that, like, they conspired on, you know? Yeah. And did she actually plan the whole thing or not? Because I feel like there are ways around her not planning it and them still gaining access to that house and other things. Like, the front door could have been, uh, Gregory could have just gotten home from work and walked in and left it, it. yeah, and left it open behind him and then they walked in behind him. Yeah. Or, I don't, I don't know. Like, they could have easily gotten a gun from some, somewhere. Right, like, you, I feel like you can get a gun on the black market from if you look hard enough anywhere. There's, like, a lot of people very torn on her case, and there's a lot of things out there regarding her being wrongfully convicted. Yeah. Which may or may not be the case. Right, it's like, no one's gonna know, though, but them. Right. And there's also a lot of things out there, though, of people saying she's a sociopath faking the emotion of not being involved and yeah who knows if that's actually the case but what do you think or do you not really know I don't I feel like I could see it going both ways where she's like I have the power I can convince you as a child to do this for me and maybe she was thinking like you're a child you won't get in trouble for it Mm mm-hmm But I could also see it the other way around where, like, she was, like, I'm ending this relationship and he was, like, no. Mm Mm-hmm. Or, like, she said he completely twisted what she said into something more where she's, like, we can't be together because Because I'm married and I need to work on my relationship with my husband. And he took that as, we can't be there because the the husband husband will take the husband out of the way. Yeah. So I feel like it could have gone literally either way. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think happened? I agree. I'm really torn on what happened because either way, there was a situation where there was a child involved. Right. And it was wrong. Right. But I don't know. I read so much on it and I don't know whether she's telling the truth or not. Like, it's almost like a... 
situation, I mean, obviously not exactly the same, but a situation where you hear the Adnan case and there's the two sides to it where it's like, is he innocent or not? And you kind of have to, like, rationalize that on your own. Where, like, the evidence and stuff still doesn't even add up, though. Right. But it also could be that we don't know a lot of the evidence that was presented in court. In articles that were posted online, from what I could see, there wasn't a lot of physical evidence like linking things right unless that's just something that was talked about in court and not released to the media although it was uh, it was there were allowed to be cameras in the courtroom true so i think that's a very strange case yeah (sighs) agreed weird i feel like we should do a listener story of our own yeah agreed because that was like a somewhat longer case, but we want to give you guys a yeah. good amount of time that we usually give you. I was just telling Brent, I feel like my head's in a cloud. I don't, I can't think. <laughs> I'm I, th- I have one. I, I have a listener story. I think I can tell that hopefully I haven't told before. So get comfy, guys. <laughs> this is a good one, actually. This I is know real. What she's say. This is real. So one night I came home from work. I was sitting in my house, and all of a sudden I saw a bunch of cop cars, armored trucks, and shit on the road that I live on outside of my neighbor's house. Oh my god. So, I'm watching out the window because I'm nosy. (laughs) Of course. And I called Timo and was like, oh my god, this is happening. I don't know what's going on. Da-da-da. And I also... Wanted to make sure that my ne- my neighbor was okay, obviously. Because there was, was this, like, like, ambulances, Daytime, too. nighttime? It was kind of heading... Like, it was just starting to get dark. So, it was okay. probably around, like, 6 Seven, o'clock at night. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. So, I'm watching out the window. And I'm on the phone with Timo. And I'm giving him a play-by-play. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. The cops are looking around in their backyard now. They're shining flashlights. Like, they're lo- I see the lights in the basement of the house. And, obviously, as it was getting darker, I was seeing more and more with where their lights were going. Yeah. They were going through the garage, and I was like, is this a drug bust? Like, what, what is happening? Are they looking for someone? Yeah. So, Timo comes home, and he, like, kind of looked out the window at what was going on, and then he went back downstairs, and mm-hmm. I was upstairs in one of the rooms closest to the neighbor's house, and all of a sudden, I hear him yell to me, babe, come downstairs, and I was like, what? And I, like, started to go down my staircase, and I hear him say, I'm like, what? And I was just like kind of nervous so I like stopped on the stairs and he was like there's a woman outside and I was like what do you mean there's a woman outside I thought I heard him wrong and he's like there's a woman outside so I run to him and in our backyard mind you our backyard is fenced in yeah and we did not have Axel like yet a tall fence. <laughs> a tall fence. yeah at our back door there it's like a glass back door sliding door yeah there's a woman standing there knocking on the back door saying let me in your house the fuck so i go up to the door and right away i like checked that it was locked and then she was like still banging on the door she was completely barefoot she was in men's basketball shorts not that that makes a difference but it looks like she got quickly yeah dressed. Like, threw something on. yeah and she looked so crazed her hair was all over the fucking place oh she had God. cuts on her feet <gasps> And she's banging on the back door saying, let me in, just let me in your house. I just need to make a phone call. I need to use your phone. And I said to her, there is no 
fucking way you're coming in my house. Yeah, like, screw that. Yeah. So I was like, what's going on? We have a crime podcast. (laughs) Yeah, not at this point, but yes. (laughs) But we know what we're supposed to do. Yeah. We're about to have a crime podcast. You can't come in. Yeah. Well, that was what was going through my head. I'm like, I let this lady in. Who knows if she goes to, like, my knife drawer. Yeah. Who knows what the fuck she's going to do. And she looked crazed. Yeah. So... I then started to try to get information because then another part of me was like, oh my God, what if this lady actually needs help? But then I was like, there's a bunch of cops next door. She would run to the cops. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or you could like hand her your phone outside. Yeah. So I said, there's no fucking way you're coming into my house. And I was like, there's cops next door. Yeah. And like giving her options. I'm like, there's cops right next door. And I was like, or try the neighbor because you're not coming in here. Yeah. And then she was just like getting more aggressive, like, let me in, let me in, which was obviously making it worse, and I was like, there's no way in hell. Timo's like, no, (laughs) not coming in. (laughs) Stay away. Yeah, so then I started asking her what's going on, and she comes, she starts saying this story, and she's like, my boyfriend next door, which we were friends with for a while, so we knew who she was talking about. Yeah. She's like, my boyfriend next door, he tried committing suicide, you have to let me in. I have to use your phone. And then I'm like, why would you run from him? And call. Who would you call? Yeah, and there's already people there to help. Why are you doing this? Right. So I'm like, something's fucking weird. So I walk away, and I Timo, like, comes with me, and I'm like, she starts leaving. We She leaves our deck, and Timo keeps looking, and he's like, she's still just standing in our backyard. This poor woman, if... We had had Axel at the time. <laughs> she would have been toast. Like, absolute toast. She would have been really scared. Yeah. So, I said to Timo, I'm looking out the, the window, and he keeps lo- checking if she's still there. She's still just hovering in our backyard. I look out the front door window, and it was literally like a fucking movie where all of the emergency vehicles are slowly leaving. Like, going. Like, yeah. bye-bye. I start flickering my front lights. Hey. Like, hey, come hey, here. come here. Yeah, to get their attention. This one drives straight past, starts leaving. And the I'm fuck? like, this is like a fucking movie where they don't see it. And, and they I, just leave. And I'm like trying to draw attention. Yeah. So I said to Timo, I see a cop outside on the front lawn and he was one of the last ones there. And I said to Timo, I'm making a fucking run for it. Yeah. Meanwhile, I was like, keep an eye on the girl. I'm making a fucking run for it. Like, I have to get this cop's attention. This is really weird. So, I run across the front lawn. He's like, put your hands in the air. No, I'm literally running towards him with my hands in the air. And I'm like, because he turns and he's just like looking. I didn't know what was going to happen. So, I'm running towards him with my hands in the air. And I was like, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. Like, whispering to him, I'm from this house. I need to talk to you. And he bends down and runs to me. And he's like, what? what's going on? And I'm like, there's a woman in my backyard at my back door. She tried knocking and getting me to let her, like, let her in my she's house. Crazy. She yeah. has crazy yeah. eyes and she's, she's pounding fucking, on my door. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't know who she is. I don't know what's going on. And he's like, get in the house now. Oh my Screams God. Screams at me. I run into the house and I'm like, oh my God, Timo. And then I get into the house Literally, as I'm closing my front door, Timo is by the back door screaming, Oh my god, babe, you have to see this. You have to see this. Oh my god, she's getting fucking laid out. (laughs) There's cops jumping from all ends of our fences 
tackle this fucking woman. Where'd they come from? All over. They I were, thought they left. They were looking for her. I know, but where? There must have still been some there yeah. with that. There were, like, two cars left, but okay. he was the only cop that I saw left, and I was just in panic mode that he was the last one standing. So, and I, for, oh, I forgot to mention earlier, sorry guys, I forgot to mention earlier that I also questioned her how she got into my backyard. Yeah. And she said, I walked in and I said, that's no, there's no fucking way my yard's completely fenced in and the gates are locked. Yeah. So I knew she, like, hopped my fence. So yeah, she gets fucking tackled. <laughs> and long story short, they get her out of the yard. She was the woman they were looking for. Of course. I don't really know anything besides that, besides she was trying to hide from them. You should have called the police, like, the next day, but, like, she was in my backyard, I have to know what happened. Yeah. You laid her out, and I I'm, saw. I'm assuming it was something with, I know they, that armored truck that was there, they took a bunch of stuff out of his garage. Yeah. I'm assuming there was something with drugs going on. Yeah. And he has had a history of suicidal... Tendencies. Tendencies. Yeah, yeah, so... I think that part possibly actually did happen. I wonder, like, what would have happened if you actually let her in. Like, I don't want to know, but also part of me is, like, what like, would she, would she have, have done? A, would she have attacked us? Like, would she have actually just, like, sat there on the phone and, like, pretended to talk to somebody until the cops left? Or, like, what? Or even if she did call someone to come pick her up, how were they going to come pick her up Without from our house? Seeing. Yeah, they would have literally probably stopped them at the base of the road and been like, what do you need? Yeah. Because there was this whole fucking thing going down. What a mess. Yeah. Wow. It was crazy. Glad you made it out alive. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> you should have seen me. Help the cops. I'm in a running with my hands in the air. <laughs> I need to talk to you. Like whispering. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. <laughs> I wonder if she was armed and that's why he was like, get in the house now. I don't know. But she, they were also screaming for her to pull out her ID and stuff. Yeah. And I think she was saying she didn't have one on her. So she was also trying to... Yeah. Keep her identity. Oh I don't God. know. It was really fucking sketchy. And I have other stories besides that. Timo and I make jokes all the time about, we're like, do we live on a road where, and we didn't realize it or didn't know where they put people who have, are like recovering from being institutionalized <laughs> or something. And we're like, just like, yeah, this is the road you go. This yeah. is where you have to live now. And then there goes Brendan Timo just moving in as young adults. And yeah. they're like, we don't know. Yeah, we joke all the time, like, why? And we live on a nice road. Yeah, it's a nice road. Yeah. It's a nice area. Yeah, but it's like, the road we live, our, some of our neighbors were just like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. There's at least four stories with situations involving our neighbors. So weird. Maybe we should make a little section of our podcast Weird about stories. <laughs> weird neighbor stories. From the hosts. <laughs> Almost like a spinoff of Nightmare Next Door. Yeah. Oh, God. But yeah, that's that. I loved it. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, let's do the spiel. All right, so you know where to go. Our Facebook is Crime, Cults, and Coffee, and that's where we post weekly pictures of the cases that we cover and our resources from every episode. And our Instagram is also Crime, Cults, and Coffee. That's where we post our coffee that we've reviewed, pictures from the episodes, and we do some stories here and there. Also, remember, on our in our bio, there's a link tree. The first link in the link tree is the GoFundMe for Drew Molinari's case. And this is for to fund for a billboard that his mother wants to put up in their town to give more information. So please, 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 if you're able to, go and donate to that GoFundMe. Literally, it can be $2, $5, $20, whatever. Anything is helpful. Yeah, l- any little bit matters. 
And actually, Dawn, I spoke to recently, and she had said that she's almost ready to to possibly have the billboard put up oh, within good. the next month or so. So if you're going to donate, please do it do now. It, please do it soon because yeah. she's going to. That money is going to be really helpful for her to be able to do that for him. Yeah. So, if you want to give us a listener story, which we would love. We love them. Or a case suggestion, you can reach out to us on our Instagram at Crime Colts and Coffee. Send us a DM and submit your story. You could either come on our podcast to tell it. We can read it. Or we can read it. There's been a mix in the past. You can also send us an email at crimecultsandcoffee at gmail.com. You could be anonymous. Yes, exactly. And also, if you would be so kind and listen to us on Apple Podcasts to leave us a rate and review, that's really helpful for our podcast and you get free stickers. And then uh, if you don't have access to Apple Podcasts and can't leave us a review on any listening platform of your choice, you can follow like, or subscribe to our podcast, and then that will help let you know when our podcast is up, a new episode is up every Friday. Yep. It'll notify you right as soon as you wake up. (laughs) You can be in the know. Unless you wake up at 5 a.m., then you'll have to wait an hour. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or if there's a glitch. Yes. Which happens. Yeah. All right. Until next week. We'll see you guys next week. Off to the disco. Woo! Getting groovy. regarding this case and our resources follow us at crime cults and coffee on instagram and facebook